and welcome back to another episode of Unfiltered. I'm Yanina Doyle. And I'm Jonathan Kleeman. And our guest today is... Nobody! <laughs> we decided... We're going to... Ah, let's pretend we're really professional and this is going to be the summary episode um, of, the, of season one. Uh, but actually, we I mean, just... Yeah, I mean, just... I think the backstory makes sense. So when we first wanted to do this, because I don't think we've ever talked about why we did this on the why podcast. Did we, why did we, why want, did we do this? Why did we want we to do this? We both separately wanted to do a podcast. Um, I wanted to do a podcast that was on wine, but also a bit more fun and a bit more real. Um, I've always said that I think a lot of, especially... You look at the US, I think the US has a lot better media around wine than we do at the moment. And I think it's more encouraging to new people getting into wine. So it's also wine not also being about textbooks and reading and studying and being that way and I think sometimes over here in England if it's uh, I think especially here in England either you have to be a cool funky guy in East London who only drinks wine that's got bits in it or you've got to be an old man in red trousers um, I was and to, we are neither we are neither I own no red trousers though I'm thinking about buying them just for the jokes now um, <laughs> make sure you get a special little tie Pat, right? Patsby, Charles Patsby Taylor style like mustard yellow oh um, he already mustard yellow. he loves it he, he, he lives into it um but yeah, was, if that was from my side, you need to also have kind of similar ideas as well. I mean, I don't she want to involve a lot more sex involved in her podcast as far as I can remember. It hasn't really happened to no, be honest. Our guests have been very, very straight-laced, really. Well, I mean, straight-laced-ish. I mean, got Gina Merger assets for a start. That didn't <laughs> I mean, sex sells. That was the idea, yeah, but you know, we've... we've, we've and Tom does sell a lot of wine, so it obviously works. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's kind of kind of bad from that. To be honest, we never thought we'd give you more than 10 listeners. It was kind of a bit of fun, and we both, at the same time, we're talking and both wanted to do this we thought we'd be a way to encourage each other but actually so far we've got quite a few regular listeners and I believe and we're actually very disappointed we are three off of 400 400 so guys can we uh, can yeah, we push, can we push, all push, push. push you to uh, behave yourselves and just download a little bit more and uh, this we will finish this season with more than 400 downloads so yeah. very happy um, we just well, this one will be a bit of a review in this one. We'll go over some other bits as well, but it's also kind of just a also to ask them for some feedback, guys. I mean, we've had quite a bit of feedback from people already, and mostly been positive. One of the big negatives we've put, uh, biggest negatives we've had about sometimes is the audio quality, which we think we've has got a lot better. Again, it's unfortunately my bad. I've been I've been in charge of that. It's, it's been a completely new thing for me to do. So I'm not in charge of that because I'm completely incompetent. So no, but yeah, so um, put it all on you. You need to do all the fantastic, uh, funny jokes and memes on, on social media. I do all the messing around with the audio. So it's been a steep learning curve, but again, it's been good to learn something new. And I've got sick of listening to my own voices. I edit everything. <laughs> uh, really have got sick of it. Um, but we're just going to take a bit of a break now over the Christmas period, just because between both of us, our schedules are packed. We're so important and um, so busy. No, we just, we're both poor and need to make money. That's true. Um, uh, and not, I'm not pretty enough to book on the street, so uh, I'm going to have to do the old-fashioned way. And my boyfriend doesn't want me to, to, do, to, street, to, no. to work on the street. He's so, um, so mean. I know, right? It's taking control of like. We really need. He, in fact, and uh, this episode today is sponsored by my house. Yeah, this is. We are we are recording from the sexy residence of uh, Yanina. Oh, yeah. Um, it is a famous restaurant just in Finchley, so do try and visit. <laughs> in Finchley? It's in Wilston Green. Wilston Green. Oh, Wilston Green, sorry, yeah. I was thinking Finchley. Don't worry. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So we're in Wilston Green, unfortunately, not for long, moving to out uh, the outskirts yeah, of London, shall we say. But the joys of that, meaning I have about 100 bottles of wine, probably more so that I need to transport, and we realised that drinking them now is actually going to save time later. So I'd like to know, like, over the now nine episodes, how tables have turned, because when we first met and talked about doing this, you were Mrs. Yoga Queen and going all these things. And now we, <laughs> we're now sitting here where you've been boasting about all you've done for the last like, week or so is drink loads of wine. This is true. And, I'm and, no, and, and no exercise. And but no that's exercise. not my fault. That's work schedule. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't blame your work. You can make time. Yeah, we all know that's a lie. And I'm sitting here in perfect pain in my legs because... This idiot decided to do leg day on the same day he did a 14 hour shift. Oh, you look at right. him. He's, first world problems, doing... first world problems. <laughs> I suffered really badly. Right, let's uh, actually pour some wine because uh, what are we doing? Besides slamming your pen down on the table. I'm adding drama. Listen, okay. there's, li there is only two of us today, so we have to create that extra element, okay? So today I um, am recycling. I've recycled wine 
Um, I did one of my wine videos today, and I happened to have a Chablis that I got from Waitrose, and I thought, well, what, are you, what are your wine videos? Again, we've not talked about them on the podcast. Ah, okay. So my my cute little wine videos. Um, I've done. I've created like a little se- series called Learn Wine, Love Wine. So it's just kind of aimed at uh, you know the majority of people who are buying wine in supermarkets. Sorry, cheers. Cheers. Let's have a little a uh, little sip now aimed at the people um, buying wine in supermarkets and just starting to uh, explain, you know, every every episode a different category. So maybe this episode, Chablis versus Chardonnay. So people can really understand that Chablis is Chardonnay, whereas people a lot of the time um, just think Chardonnay is an oaky grape. An episode of Shiraz versus Syrah, which is the same, but, you know, often is perhaps different styles. So looking at just maybe trying to understand labels so people can get to know the wine better and also to actually pick the better wines in a supermarket. Obviously I'd love for you to go, all of you and all our listeners to, to go to the independents. I'm a big fan of our independent wine shops. So you should be. Absolutely. So everyone and, should um, be. And in fact, w- what's our favourite independent wine shop? Uh, Twisted Cellar. Yay! <laughs> First plug. Um, but at the same time I know that for the majority of people they are still, you know, when they're doing their supermarket shop they grab a bottle of wine. So if that's what you're going to do, it's still good for you to know what you so can get and drink well. Supermarket wine is the gateway drug into spending hundreds of pounds on burgundy. That's how I look at it. It's the, the gateway uh, drug. It's the gateway drug, yeah. I like the gateway that. Drug. Fabulous. Um, good. Yeah, um, speaking of drugs, um, <laughs> I, I, can, I can tell you now, I'm, I'm not officially doing it yet, but I'm looking into it. Um, you're not doing it yet. Um, so no, heroin. Not drugs, he's not, not doing drugs, the heroin yet. No, no, I can't afford them. Um... Is there is there may actually now be a, obviously there's all this talk now about legalization of weed, which you know whichever side of the fence you sit on. Um, again, I think a lot of arguments for it in the sense of you know, I think it's quite funny when we talk about oh, but it will make it worse. I think at this point we must all know people who smoke it constantly all the time and function still for anything. Well, at the end of the day, for me, I don't I don't smoke weed. I've got my wonderful kicks from wine. However. In the Netherlands, they have absolutely no problem. No, They're exactly. doing it in all these places in America, and there's still no problems. So it, it regardless, Again, it, you yeah, know, if you don't want to smoke it, don't smoke it. If you do, great. But you know what? They might as well. You know, they might as well tax it. They might as well tax exactly. it. But, I mean, I and we can use that for, I, I, <laughs> for our health services yeah. to help my liver. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> to combat the wine. I, yeah, I sit, I sit on that side of the fence, which is I don't feel as someone who drinks wine. Well, well, wine, gin, whiskey, pretty much every day. Um, I don't think I can sit there and scold someone for smoking weed. It's a big long, like, yeah. You know, I've, I've never, I've also seen, I've never seen um, uh, a pub fight after a heavy weed smoking session either. You know, that's never happened. No, do you know what? In terms of, of, of <laughs> punching people in the face, weed is safer. Yeah. Yeah. As long okay. as it doesn't, as long as they don't start growing weed where you can grow vines, I'm fine with that. That okay. would be my only issue. But look, logging on to that, there is actually, I think there is now going to be. You can see a big influx of these CBD, which is, if you don't know, CBD. CBD, CBD uh, I can't remember the full, I'm not, I'll get it wrong if I try and say it, but it's, it's basically the health beneficial part of uh, marijuana. Okay. You see more. Well, the more, antioxidant part, right? Uh, yeah, but it's something that's linked to helping with cancer and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So it's the one that has health benefits. Okay. Which, if you go like Switzerland, you'll see in every, you'll see even like little cats or, or any, like, even if you're at the airport, they'll be like, this for CBD and it, or this for CBD. Okay, CBD. That, that is starting to become more and more common here in the UK, and I actually know someone who's bringing, who's already got wine into the country, which has got CBD in it. So what? How? What? How are they? Are they just? So I think they're in, taking CBD as like what a powder, and then yeah, they do like an extract from the oil, and they just take. The oh, CBD. so it's an oil, and, you, you and can, then the, you, I think you can grow. As far as I know, again, I'm no expert, um, but as far as I, know, I think you can grow Pacific strains of marijuana. That um, I love how I'm saying marijuana. Like I'm, I'm a of a politician in America who got caught, I never inhaled. Um, <laughs> I think it's one of the things where it's actually, um, you can grow Pacific strains that are very high in the With CBD, that CBD, or very yeah. high in the, I can't remember what it's called, the, the bit that has all the, the getting high effects and the okay. producing because you know, obviously different strands, it's, you know, it's a plant. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you know, the way we humans now want to play around with plants, we can do lots to them now and make them do what we want. So I think you can grow, and also, interesting one for you, the UK uh, is actually the highest um, we grow more medical use marijuana or CBD than any other country in the world. Oh. They export it, we're highest exporter of it, I think. But yeah, you know, but you can't can't actually can't buy use it, it or use it here in the UK. Which so, is mad. Okay, so they're extracting the CBD maybe in probably like an oil form, and then this winery is after after making the wine. As, as far as I know, yeah, they're then putting they're, they're adding, adding it to the wine. Drops. Yeah, they're adding it to the wine. So what winery? 
Uh, that's that's the things I need to check. I'm waiting for information oh, back on that. But sorry, I'm everyone. Updated. He... But I'm, I'm thinking about maybe just selling because you can. And, uh, but what I find funny was the entire legal process. Again, it shows how much of a brilliant mess at the moment in the UK with so many things. Mm. Um, is that he kept getting bounced around to different departments of the government because no one wanted to say yes. Which is the, again, the because they felt like again, which I big... don't want to be the responsible person. Exactly. The let but a, he went around. He went, he went around in full in circle. He went around, but no, but what he was doing was no, no way illegal, and he had no objection to it. Mm-hmm. So he got pushed around in an entire circle. When he went all the way around, he goes, well, "Guys, no one's objecting, so I'm just going to do it." They're like, "Yeah, okay." Finally, okay. Um, so, so it's been affected. So they know it. So it's allowed. This wine is allowed. Completely, because ACBD is not going to be. So if you don't know the name of the winery, how do you know the story? Because uh, I know the guy who's importing it. Okay, so, so you know the importer. But it's okay. still in the country, so I'll, I'll give more information for you next time we do one of these. Oh, uh, okay, so again, that's something then I can put on social media yep. for anyone who wants weed-related wine. Yeah, um, <laughs> but what I can note is it's got, it won't get you high. It's only got the CBD, it's only the health beneficial pro, the, 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 the good part of it, not the... Uh, the good, good part of it. Okay, well, talking... Some of, people would say the bad part of it, but, you know, some people say the good part. So, funny enough, you're talking about this potential of having, like, a healthier wine. Um, it's always very, very funny, this argument of, is, you know, constantly, wine is wine has health benefits. Look at the, the fennels of the wine. It's got all its antioxidants. It can prevent cancer. Well, then, obviously, there's always arguments. Wine is going to give you cancer. So there's all this stuff going on. Yeah, but I think if you read the Daily Mail, everything gives you cancer. Exactly, right? I think in the same month, they said that bacon and eggs give you cancer. And then they also well, said later on that the full English breakfast is the healthiest breakfast in the world. None of is, these things are actually true. Yeah, but this is why everything is about moderation, right? It's just very, very simple. Now, funny enough... Is it? I'm not too <laughs> <laughs> You, it's simple, but you're choosing to make it complicated by being an alcoholic. That's slightly different. High-functioning alcoholic, thank you very much. Absolutely, I didn't say you didn't. Now, coming back to my story, I just went to Ireland last week uh, yep. to investigate the wine market in Ireland and came back with some interesting news. Go for it. Um, which is pretty shocking, actually. As of this specific month, October, they should be confirming whether this is going to happen or not. They are trying to get wine, le- they're trying to have legislation that any alcoholic beverage sold in Ireland must have a label on the back saying why well if it's wine wine causes cancer this spirit causes cancer and this is going to be decided it's been going on for quite a while and it's going to be decided if it's going to actually happen this month see I I have up until up until I've been praising Ireland a lot because lately Ireland seems to have gone steamrolling past the UK for being uh, more open and better and really embarrassing us actually here for you know, being more... That's probably because they're all drunk half the time. Well, that's what I assume, but it seems like... <laughs> I thought that's why they're so friendly. But, you know, it's always, you know, it's always the... We've always, in England, you know, I remember back in the days, always the jokes would be, you know, that the idea was the Irish were going to be behind England. I think at the moment you look at Ireland steamrolling past us and England seems to be trying to regress back into 1960s. Is that their plan? Um, I think, well, it seems to be. Uh, well, or if Jonathan Reese... Not Jonathan Reese Mogg gets in charge. Oh don't, oh, don't start mentioning no, names. Then they'll go back, they'll go back to Victoria times. You don't know? Oh, yeah, you don't keep up with politics, do you? No, I do not. I find it terribly boring. Well, if Reese Mogg has his time, we'll be going back to the Victorian age, um, where he can whip people again, I'm sure. Um, well, he wouldn't do it. Nanny would do it for him. Um, <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Well, either way, what's going on in Ireland? So they have apparently submitted a few cases that cancer, um, the wine causes cancer, and so this is something that they're, they're going to do. However, for me, apart from the fact that... Is it just, specifically wine? Or is it all no, it's alcohol? all alcohol. It's all alcohol. But obviously, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking from the wine front, hence us being in the industry. But they've already said this could be absolutely um, ridiculously bad for, for Ireland because Ireland is such a small country. We're to, and of course, we're talking Republic of Ireland. Yeah. Literally population size of Birmingham. So it's tiny. Isn't it? It's, it's four million somewhere. It's well, it's tiny. Yeah. And so no, whatever the number is that they they compare themselves to Birmingham, and so the they drink a lot. Now the reason they want to make these changes in Ireland is literally because there's a massive alcoholic <laughs> epidemic. I guess they have said they need to do something about this. But putting cancer on the labels, one, it's ridiculous because as you just stated. Everything causes cancer. Yep. Everything doesn't cause cancer. There's a million um, studies that keep on arguing with each other. And I think actually, the, what also doesn't make any sense on that at all is actually the biggest issue for men, I know at least health wise, when you get older, and what alcohol relates to is actually these heart problems. Well, 
way before cancer. Well, you say that, okay, you're talking about men. I'm saying from, I'm saying from men, I don't understand. The Harvard, the, there from. is a Harvard Medical, you've just said about uh, men, there's a Harvard Medical Study that mentions two things. Wine is actually good for you. In, Red wine specifically is very good for you. Well, of course, with all the phenols, but basically, I even wrote it down, that it's called resveratrol. So the resveratrol in wine, one, has, um, an, apparently, has proteins that uh, come like an, anti <coughs> an anti-cancer agent. So they actually can help you with cancer. And apparently men drinking a few glasses of wine a week, they're 52, in this study, 52% less likely to have prostate cancer than men that are not, the, the, the men that aren't drinking. And again, cardiovascular disease, the stroke. Yeah, the there's, there's a lot. Just, there, was, there, was, there was a study that came out recently as well that said that drinking any alcohol, because there's been a big backlash with actually doctors have been saying actually having about two glasses of red wine a day in general is actually healthier than and there was a study that what, said thins the blood no there's also a study saying that people in general with alcohol people who consume a little bit of alcohol were actually healthier, healthier. Yeah. than people who consume and no alcohol this, every study that I've ever said uh, ever read is it's a few glasses if you drink none you actually are more susceptible to cancer if you drink lots then you're obviously wrecking your health but actually having one glass a day um, or, well, there's, know, there's lots. But again, it's supposed this, this to really, be really get, good. This problem with studies, well, you need to really look at. I, again, I haven't looked into all of them deeply, but I always say you have to look into studies because there is always a bit of a but or a his. And there's one that's just come out lately, which is in the newspaper, saying that any alcohol at all is bad for you. It's proven it's still worse than having alcohol. But also, so is living in London and breathing in the air, or yeah. so many other things. And I always think that you know, I'd have to look into the evidence of that study. Um, I know there was also one that was done many years ago as well to prove the difference between drinking wine compared to drinking. Um, other alcohols, so if you are going to drink alcohol, I do recommend wine over everything else. Um, and they compared Lyon to Glasgow. And the reasoning okay. behind this is because if it was a huge study, like a, a lot of numbers. Mm. The reason actually is it turns out that, that, at least for that period of time, I think it was back in the 90s, if I'm right. Mm. The data they took was from like the 90s to the 2000s, but I'd have to double check it. It's David Bird, who's a Master of Wine member, who was telling us about this when I was doing some original studying. So it's about four or five years ago then. Yeah. Um, and he basically in that study, it shows that. Um, it turns out in Lyon and Glasgow, they actually drink around about the same amount per person. Um, so both alcoholics, both alcoholic cities. The south of France much more fun. Um, and, but in Lyon, it's <coughs> mainly wine and mainly red wine. Mm. While in Glasgow, it's... Spirits and everything. Paraffin or, I don't know, anything. Glue sniffing, you yeah. know, the usual. Just, yeah, yeah all, everything. Yeah. <laughs> and what they found was that... Um, but everything else was quite similar, like standard of living. You know, so it was a good stuff, comparison. It was a good comparison. Just, um, and, and they found that the life expectancy was far greater in Lyon. Um, a lot of this they contributed down to the fact that wine, even if you are going to get, if you are going to drink wine, alcohol all the time, again, wine is generally better. So again, this reservatrol, reservatrol, yeah. however you call it, that's in wine, apparently, and it, it, the longevity of life, it has anti-aging proteins. Yeah. It's, I, like, I don't I, know. Whatever. I'd like to disclaim that neither of us are scientists. And we can only <laughs> I don't know. Speak for yourself. We can only interpret data as best we can. But again, I also say to anyone, do go check it yourself. Obviously, you can turn around and tell me that wine is killing me now, and I still want to stop drinking it. But that's my you know preference. what my biggest my biggest thing is sugar. At the end of the day, sugar is in absolutely everything. We you the good good old Netflix now at least you can uh, see all these documentaries on sugar, and we realise what what sugar is really doing to our insides. So ultimately, you make this a massive attack on alcohol, for instance. Why you're not doing a massive attack on sugar? The point is, I think you hit the nail on the head. There is literally a million things that are causing us um, ill health. And to attack the alcohol industry, when ultimately it's about, it, it, in this for instance, it is about moderation. There is enough evidence to say it's great, there's enough evidence to say it's really bad, but ultimately most of it seems to say a little bit is great. It's the same thing with coffee. At the end of the day, that well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't... coffee. Have a, have a glass, of, uh, a glass, a cup or two of coffee, then you get the benefits. Start having too much, your body's going crazy and you're going to have well, I don't, you know, I don't drink problems. coffee at all. Um... Simply just because I don't like it, I don't like the flavour, it's been mm. like no over, no over helping. But ironically, I'm glad I never did because yeah. when I compare myself, especially when you work in hospitality, uh, yeah, the amount of people I've seen, and you always see that common thing, I'm sure the people who listen to this are going to say this, of, oh, I can't function without, without coffee. coffee. If you're a non coffee drinker, seeing people like that is quite scary. Like, it's well, like, it's really weird. It is weird. I, it, I, I don't saying, it's it. been the same with me saying, like, oh, I, if I actually did have a drinking problem, as much as we joke about it, I do have actually quite regular days off drinking stuff like that, or, and not intentionally to don't drink, I don't drink at home, ironically. Um, but um, I, I find it very strange. There are, there are people who fit, and I've got friends and family who physically couldn't function without a coffee. 
Like it, it ruins their yeah, day. Yeah, apparently, actually, if you... Well, it's actually... It, becomes, it, it takes over from waking you up, I believe. It's but again, okay, as, as an example, now, I again, I think uh, coffee, caffeine in moderation is absolutely fine. Oh, I'm not fine. saying you drinking it, but it's but, just scary. for instance, the addictive nature of coffee, at the end of the day, when people start coming off of it, if you actually cut it off and you've been having a lot uh, for so, so long, you're going to get headache, you're going to feel weird, you're going to have all these issues, and you kind of think to yourself... Okay, right. Well, go on then. Attack the co- this is the point. Yeah, no, attack no. coffee. Attack, attack alcohol. Everything. Attack fried food. Attack again the, the pollution. Attack you but can attack attack when attack. You, yeah, when you go, you go. The, the, I mean, the problem is also a lot of it's. But I feel I personally feel it's about distraction, which is that, that I do think there are companies want to keep you distracted and keep you blaming something. Mm. Media want to keep media likes something to blame because that's what sells papers. What, yeah. Again, whenever you read anything in the media, unfortunately, you have to remember someone's making money. Yeah. So whenever you read anything, I mean, we're quite lucky in the UK because we have the BBC. But if you go to like America, where I mean, the papers here in the in the UK are very partisan. You know, they're, they're, every paper has a leaning towards a political party. But you can also you, you can you know which one as well. They're, they're but, actually open to where oh, they're pretty, well, it's, it's pretty well, If you don't know, you're silly. Um, yeah, that's what you you know. You know, you know the Guardian is a very liberal uh, a, a liberal paper, and generally goes very far towards Labour. You know that um, the Telegraph, you know, it's owned by the Barclay family, so that's very much on the right side of uh, the argument. Um, and then you also know that, well, I mean, it has Boris Johnson in it, so it should be enough to say they pay him enough money to be in there. Um, but again, that's also because they sell to a market, and I think more and more we have a market for that. So, um, but, I mean, we're lucky, at least with the media on TV, we have BBC, yeah. which does moderate stuff. And I, I, I really think the BBC still now gets so much stick for. It's amazing to see how many people actually now are attacking it for being too giving too many people on the right wing a platform to talk to speak but then also people are attacking it for not being sporting enough with Corbyn well listen and this is why for me I like to step back and drink wine and what I would like to bring back to my absolute point is don't put a cancer label on my wine but you know what the funny thing is think about this this, for, for, for Ireland good for them do what you want put a label sticker but working for a producer of wine they will have to do a different run for Ireland, for their wine, do you think, than anywhere will, else will, in the world. It's going to cost so much more money for Ireland. Okay, that's interesting. So, working to a producer, would you, whose who's responsibility is that going to be? The producer? In theory, yes. Or the importer? Uh, no, 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 no. It will normally be the producer. So the, would, the, there's, two, the, there's two ways about this. Once they, once they uh, say yes, cancer labels have to be on there. There is a, they could, they could take responsibility in the country. And, if the, and I personally think that is the intelligent way about it because what will happen is if they turn around and say our now legal requirements are your labels have to be like this, every wine producing place, every producer can do it, but they'll have to do a different run. If they're doing a special run of labels, that, they can. No, no, no. no but I'm saying so, it's in like producers just won't do it. Um, no, they do because, for instance, uh, we have many different countries that have different. No, but I mean, in general, I don't think. Well, I mean, anything you're saying in the EU, it has to have the EU labeling. So yes, exactly. So we have an EU label. Yes, we have an EU label. We have certain things for America. And we have certain things for, that, for, for South America. Doesn't need a huge amount of change. Sometimes, like you look at a lot of American wine that comes into the UK, you normally always have a, another back label slapped over the back of it. They don't even bother. Yeah, doing but, a separate run, they just slap. But I would say sometimes, for instance, even in UK, in the UK, they say, do you know what? We want our exact importer details on the back. If you check all the bottles in the UK, very often it does have the address of but the again, English importer. The of the comparison is, again, we're saying Ireland's only about, I think it's, I think it's around 4 million population. Yeah, well, either out. way, it's size tiny, of Birmingham. It's a tiny, tiny market. It, that's where it's not going to be... Uh, good for money there's nobody nobody's going to want to do this because it's they're going to lose out so either if the producers do it they're going to charge loads of money to Ireland so then the people in Ireland are going to sell the wine on for way more money so it's going to be absolutely ridiculous the only way they can get away with it is if they in charge in Ireland decide to do it once the wine gets there but then all the wine that's being bottled there what they're going to take out every single wine and then and then stamp on the back so they can do it but then they're going to have to take everything out. Of the, it's it's um that's why most labels happen in the country. You, you as as the wine is put in the box, that special label is put on. So it can be done in the country, but it's it's, it's a real. When it comes to the wine, I mean, if well, if, do you know what? A lot of producers will just turn around and say, "Do you know what, Ireland? You're too tiny a country. We've got bigger yeah, fish to fry. Don't you don't have it. So what's going to happen to Ireland is that the wines that come in are going to be more expensive, and less wine will come to them, and they'll just be left." Drinking, you know, the big producers, the ones that have the money, they, they can drink the Blossom Hill. <laughs> yeah, but it's... Because it's, they'll have enough money for it. What's going to be also very weird as well, but 
are they money you won't see that labeling going on the bottom of the tour or La Fee? Well, you're awesome soon. Well, yeah, can you imagine Lef- Oh my god, can you imagine no, no, Lafitte Rothschild putting on? They'll say we're not selling to Ireland now. No, they were, but they'd, they'd probably just go, well, it's the second market, not a problem. Do you know originally, do you know originally when the bill went through when they were trying to get this to happen in Ireland? What happens if I take a bottle from England to Ireland then? Well, they, 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 you won't be able to. The, the, the law, if, if. No, but what if you, you go and buy a bottle of wine? Right. You, you mean like, you mean like someone from Ireland? Well, yes, you'll be able to have. Or you go into Northern Ireland. This is what, what this sort of system can create. This happens, this happens in Canada quite a lot. So, I don't know if you know, but Canada, ha- Canada, uh, amazing country. I really love Canada. I've got family out there and I love going out there. Sadly, <laughs> Disclaimer though, he loves Canada, everyone. That means something negative is um, going to come out of your mouth. No, but they have the most ridiculous laws and rules and laws and way of running alcohol well it's a monopoly as well isn't it yeah but it's not even run by the it's not federal it's state control all the states are different Um, and it's the point insanity where i know i know producers in like bc or in especially niagara because they're under ontario and ontario have like a mafia style uh, monopoly board who are meant to be state run but just make make a load of money out of it i know producers in there who only sell Door to like door to door or like to, um, or to restaurants, you know, mm-hmm. like allowed to do that, um, and they sell out of the country because it's easier to go sell your wine out of the country than it is to stock it in a store in Canada, and that's insane. That you're in your own country, people are going. Are you, it's harder to take a bottle of wine. Yeah, so that's probably exactly what will happen to Ireland. Yeah. People will go to Belfast. They'll go, and you know, like this, this yeah. kind of French booze cruise thing that we we used to have. It's not not so much um, relevant now, but you know, we'll go to Belfast. We'll buy all our wine and bring it back and stock it. So you know, it, but then again, what will and I don't want even an opinion. I'm not doing this Brexit talk, but they won't probably be able to if if, if with Brexit and then the trading laws and stuff. You're not going to be able to bring in the same amount of bottles. So then I don't know what's. Well, you no, know, no. You said that I don't know. That's because of Brexit. No one knows. Okay, still but know anyway, Australia. so you talk about Ireland not being able to buy their own wine or not being able to get the interesting wines. They might not even be able to go across to a drive-through to Belfast because the laws might not be. Well, they'll still do it. They'll just be like any be like going to Mexico. It'll be oh, just like do a ridiculous it. border that you've got to cross and it'll be like massive amount of effort. But ah, anyway, the, whole thing the joys. So here's an idea: craziness. just don't say, don't attack the alcohol industry and say well, it causes cancer because everything causes cancer. I think yeah, That's I think, again, I think again, encouraging people again to drink in moderation, and, and also we're seeing a trend now of people drinking quality over quantity anyway, which is yeah, happening of course, naturally. Of course, changing um, views and ideas on things. So I think it's a culture change you have to look at, not a uh, law change. Try to, me try and force it is normally when people go against it. Well, anyway, we will find out. We, we will find out uh, apparently this month. So um, just actually, you know, for everyone who's wondering about what the Chablis we're drinking, um, it's not the best Chablis in the world, but it's actually definitely tasty. Uh, it's got nice fruit flavours. It's great for, again, for its price point. Chablis is not... Chablis is not really a cheap uh, wine. That's why I got this from Waitrose, uh, you know, one of our kind of more premium uh, supermarket uh, suppliers rather than, say, Tesco's or Asda. This is Louis Moreau, uh, 2016. It's just a Chablis, Chablis. So um, what that means... But well, kind of. It doesn't even state where where it kind of comes from. Um, but I do hear that this guy. So these guys, they've been. They're in sixth generation. They have five Grand Cru vineyards. They have Premier Cru vineyards. And even in this Chablis, they're using a little bit of Premier Cru. So you know, it's nice. It's exactly what you'd expect from a Chablis. It's had four month lees aging, so there's a little bit of richness. But it's just that typical green apples, a little bit of Asian pear, a little bit of chalkiness. It is what it is. Are you a fan of Chablis? Um, I've turned around a lot now, actually. Actually, due to Xavier, um, I did him. Um, Who Xavier Rousseau? Yeah, Xavier okay. Rousseau. If you don't know Xavier Rousseau, he's a very famous uh, master sommelier, um, um, and one of one of I probably some of the one of the best educators in the sense of when you're someone's teaching you about wine to listen to. Um, he's but you know you know what I like about him also he's not pretentious. He's actually gives no, you no, the he's, time. He's, he hasn't yeah. got um, he hasn't let his um, and he's very they get to you know yeah well there are there is. Also, you know, there's also some people, there are certain people, I think, again, teaching. I don't, like, for example, I don't think I'm a very good person at teaching. I wouldn't want to teach a class in that sense or do that sort of thing. I don't think it's necessarily what I'm good at doing. I don't think I have the patience for it. Um, but I think, again... I love teaching. Yeah, so you're the opposite. Um, We're completely the opposite. Yeah. But then I'm nice and you're not, so... <laughs> you do know, I'm good at teaching, I'm nice, you're bad at teaching... You're not nice. You're a horrible. You're a horrible. Yeah. By the way, Um, I just want to make a shout out to my friend Chris from the Wine Treasury, who just taught me a new word. And apologies, everyone, cover your ears if you don't like any swearing. Oh, I like this. No, I just think it's really cute. He he likes to call people cuntsies, and (laughs) 
I I love it. I Brilliant. really I love, love it. So Chris, thank I would say his last name Man Mantiai. I don't even know how to pronounce his last name, but Chris from the Wine Treasury. Um, I, I really appreciate that. I've been using it lately. I think it, it really, it's an enjoyable way. Do you use way. it in, fact, in, in like... Um, no, no, I still like... I, as an insult, or you I think still, as more of a, a joke with a friend, sort of? No, I still think, I don't know, I just think I've been using cunty in a place for like dickhead and stuff like that. Okay. But I just think feel like it's a softer way, but using a word that is not so pleasant. I just think it's a real lovely creation, and I just want to give a shout out to Chris, unless he faked it and said it was his idea, but actually he stole it from someone else, and now I've just if literally outed him on this podcast. If you're the inventor of cunty, the word, please, you, please, please write in, us. please, please write in to P.O. Box 123, <laughs> C- C-U-N-T. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so thank you, Chris, regardless for bringing cunty to my life. I think it's fabulous, and I think you like there it you as well, right? Well, thank you, thank you for that. That's, a, that's a, probably the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Um, you, you are, you, yeah, you're a little bit of a cunty. I am, I am. I, I like definitely. you, I like you. Um, so anyway, so you're not good at teaching, but Xavier really but, is. Yeah, anyway, and did he get you into well, Xavier? Well, we were doing, it was, he was talking about, and again, as you know, I, I, whoever our listeners know about this, but I'm, I'm very always obsessed with, I love drinking older wines, I love seeing the evolution in wines. Okay, um, yeah. I always think, I, was, I, I even sent a message to one of my, old assistant head uh, when I saw she drank a Grand Cru Burgundy in 2015 and I was like oh my god he was so young how could you do that 2015 <laughs> I was like no it's Grand Cru actually Grand Cru I would wait Clairvaux Joe should have been uh, needed a lot more time but um, but he was talking about the difference with Shabby and also about ageing as well um, and it's something I've done since and I've taken a I do recommend this if you ever see an old bottle of like Shabby even Premier Cru Premier Cru Grand Cru obviously they you, you have an idea they're, they're going to age but actually the Premier Cru's age really well as well and many times actually much longer than other white burgundies, which is something you don't think of because we always think of Chablis as being something you drink fresh, young, straight away. Actually, it ages superbly because of the um, acidity in it. Mm. Um, and because it's not so big and huge, it actually mellows, it, it kind of gains more as it gets older. Mm-hmm. So uh, I drank, what was it? We had a 96, 97, uh, a couple of months ago, something like that as well. Superb. They're yeah, really, good. Really, and they're not expensive because when you, the, the occasional time you do find them, this People whole... don't think they're worth anything because you don't normally age them. So uh... well, this whole pre-mox thing, I mentioned this earlier oh, to you, much, you know, yeah. with um, with Chardonnay. I don't really know. I mean, everyone talked about a lot of the kind of the Burgundy Chardonnays having a lot, of, but I don't know I, whether I have... that really kind of uh, if that if you mentioned nineteen ninety six, ironically, which in, from my knowledge was almost like the that's the was the start well, of I the guess, discovery okay, so... and the bad. A premox as well I is thought, uh, premature oxidation, uh, which has been a, uh, an interesting subject in, in Chardonnay that has never. Well, Burgundy, ev- Burgundy specifically. Yeah, but, um, but, for, but Burgundy, but white Burgundy. White, white Burgundy, Chardonnay. white Burgundy from a certain period, and a lot of people blame the cork. They blame this. Sulfur, changing sulfur levels. Sulfur levels. Yeah, they've mentioned solar, the the sun. They've mentioned. I mean, different. It, to me, it's if you look at it. To me, I think. The answer is more. Oh, it's also something that some people aren't going to want to admit. I think it's the biggest issue as well. Um, I think a lot of it has to do. And again, it's, again, it's theory. I don't know for a fact, so don't quote me on this. But you tend to find pre-ops happens with certain producers far more than others. And then actually, I've had a lot of producers. I've never even had any pre-ops for at all. Mm. Um, I actually, when I did them, um, I did the. Um, what was it called? The, the when they released the Burgundy ones, Pruling, the, the dinner. The, the dinner? They, you do like a dinner event. Anyway, it was when they did the Burgundy uh, on I've premier. I've never been invited to, I, I got to go on to premier, premier dinner. Um, and it was it, with a lot of Burgundy producers. It was a fantastic night. And um, there was a couple of bottles of uh, Chateau Morochet 1996 Premier Crew. Okay. From, uh, give me a second, I remember the producer. Um, and, and that is the official name of the producer. Give me a second. Uh, <laughs> it's not. Um, but they were superb. I couldn't get, I kept hunting them down because I couldn't get enough of them. And again, that producer, I've never had lots of them. Uh, Philip yeah. Collin is another one. He produces Chassin. Um, and I've never had a pre bottle of Philip Collin. But do you know Colin. what? I was, and there's a few other producers yeah. again. I've never had pre with any It could well be. It could well be. But one thing I would just like to say, I mean, I was reading an article just recently. And again, I wish I could name the person who wrote it. But they've said, you know, a lot of people throughout, like their, when they had their 1996s, they, they were throwing them out because they said, like, you know, they're all oxidised. But apparently, dr- drinking people who've kept them drinking them now Freshness. it's almost they've changed they've also they've almost gone back so apparently when alcohol oxidizes it's irreversible because it turns to acetal tell me acetaldehyde acetaldehyde yeah but apparently the like polyphenols 
it can, can oxidize, but actually can be fixed with sulfur. So they're saying that actually uh, wines, perhaps, if it's that type of oxidation, can return with a certain amount of time. For me, I just think it's kind of, I don't think there is, I appreciate what you're saying, there's certainly more produ some producers that are more um, susceptible, it seems, but it's still something that no one has been able to completely prove. It's like well, a mystery in the wine I, world. I, to me personally, and going and trying, again, I've tried a lot of old Burgundy, I will take the punt on it. You are a big fan, work. aren't you, of your Burgundies? Uh, it's uh, Jean-Marc Pilot. So Jean-Marc Pilot, Chasson Rocher, Premier Cru is what I had. I had okay. two separate bottles, 1996, fresh as a daisy. The acidity was still there. Fresh it was amazing. As a daisy. It was literally some of, some of the best wines I've had. Um, and again, I've drunk a lot of old Philip Collin. I've drunk a lot of um, Mark Collin as well. Um, I've drunk, again, a lot of those really good wines. Then you look at some of the bigger names, the more well-known. I mean, Mark Collin's pretty well-known, but there are some other bigger ones. Mm. Now, I think if you look at the time that this was happening with the winemaking, um, I think one of the things people don't want to accept about Burgundy is I don't always, I think they're some of the best vineyards, but I think for a good period of time, they weren't necessarily the best winemakers. Um, they didn't always have the best facilities. It's not like Bordeaux, where there's a lot of money being pumped into it and producing mm. huge amounts. A lot of them are just farmers. You know, they are guys who've been farming well, for years. Small, well, instead of it being chateaus, and I don't, it's much smaller. So like, I, it's parcels, isn't it? And, and we're seeing like, this new um, generation of what of the young winemakers come through mm. in Burgundy who are superb and seem to be taking it to a new level. Because a lot yeah. of them have gone around the world, seen different winemaking techniques. But I think Burgundy's always been a bit behind on that. I don't know, but you say that. You say that, but you know, all the, the you, malolactic um, fermentation, the ageing or even fermenting in, in barrels, all these kind of techniques are supposed to have come completely from Burgundy. created something for well, yeah, but the you, world. You, when you look at you look at history of wine, different areas have been ahead mm -hmm. at different stages. So for a start, one point Bordeaux was like the leading light on winemaking. Yeah. And then at other parts it fell behind. And then Australia came in was like the leading light on winemaking. And mm -hmm. now they're going to new techniques. So it's constantly changing and who's coming up with new techniques. It's becoming more and more. And also with the internet and travel, that's becoming more common. Because, you know, it's originally it was Angelo Gaia learned green harvesting by going to Bordeaux. So you know, stuff like yeah, this okay. and that to Piemonte. And then, you know, all this has changed. I think if you look in that period and you look at some of the producers, especially the bigger ones and bigger names in Burgundy, so even the ones who did have better winemaking facilities, I think some of them were also chasing a different style. And I think that there was a little bit more push to make the wines bigger um, and get more out of them. And I think maybe there was a little bit more too much time on lead treatment and probably a little bit too much lead stirring. And I think there's people going out of their comfort zone with their winemaking a little bit mm. or trying to do more but not doing it in the right way. And I think the wines got overworked. Well, also as well, and I think that's you why you that, get preox. Uh, if I'm honest, what, I think that's what happened. And also, I know that you know sulfur was. A, 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 this is what I've heard as well. Sulfur was something that was like, I oh, know this is horrendous. Lower, lower, lower it. Of course, that's an obvious one. And I'm sure as well that though that a lot of people were like almost cutting it out completely and with terrible corks. I know we've mentioned unless it. unless you're uh, God, who's the super expensive white berry producer? There's a lot. No, no, the really big. Uh, Lafon. I'm being really crap. Uh, my brain's not working today because I've, I've stayed up all night watching uh, the Conor McGregor um, <laughs> uh, fight last night, so until like six in the morning, so my brain's not working. Oh, come back to me now. I've got a bottle at home. I've got a bottle of Merceau. So, uh, but yeah, there, there's another French producer. But He'll Google it again in a second. Oh, my brain's not working. Apologies. Um, but yeah, so, and that producer's um, famous for using tons of sulfates. I mean, all the people who will sit there and go, oh, sulfate's so terrible for wine, and yeah, everyone will drink that wine when it comes up. But um, yeah, I do think there's also that. Yeah, but it's keywords these days. People are just. I do. I do think it was people there. rushing to do things they didn't quite understand. I do think it was a bit of a. Um, are you sure? Are you sure it's not Comte de la Fon? Because that's not Comte de la Fon. Because I would kind of put them as you know one of the top guys. Okay. Um, well, we'll leave that to you. Anyway, you we I, I completely took us to a different world again. Yeah, sorry. And poor Shabli got ignored again. We've got because again, all the kind of talk of Primox is kind of much more. Yeah, Burgundy, Burgundy than than Chablis. I don't know whether it has had that. Chablis didn't it's hit as much. No, Chablis, Chablis kind of as always kind of brand onto itself. Also, before we put it out there, I don't think we've had a Chablis on, have we? Before? We have not. For again, for our more casual listeners, um, one of the things <laughs> for our people that just like wine and are not here to like get into the the uh, the dirty parts Sorry, of the, the wine. Sorry, I can't be. I can think of it as Costurie, which I even have a bottle okay. of Costurie at home. Uh, just really terrible with me, but yeah. So Costurie, who is quite famed, ironically, everyone will drink a bottle of Costurie because it's fantastic. Okay, now moving on to our casual uh, listeners who would not have Costurie. Um, oh, what do you think we get Costurie to be a sponsor? That'd be amazing. That'd be fabulous. Um, I don't think it's we're happen. still working on Happy Socks as a sponsor. Yeah, that's so still like, yeah. Uh, we're still we're still open sponsors, guys. <laughs> that's another uh, thing. No one's sponsoring. Um, 
what we said with Shabby, I think that um, is that Shabby is actually Chardonnay, which is the most common misconception. So many people are like, I don't like Chardonnay, yeah. but I do like Chablis. Mm-hmm. And that's what I tried to do, in the, you know, for this wine video, just that was the yeah. main thing of explaining that, you know, this is the, this is the great thing about Chardonnay. Um, it grows in cool climates, moderate, slightly warmer. And, it, and of course, if it's a cool climate, it's going to be green apples and high acidity. And if it goes all the way to, you know, a warmer climate, it's going to be tropical and it can be anything from unoaked to oaked and buttery and caramelly and nutty and everything. So it's, it's actually very, it's one of the most tra- versatile, one of the most versatile flexible, great great varieties. And ironically, like, where Pinot Noir is very, very expressive of the terroir, I think Chardonnay is much more expressive of region style and stuff mm. like that as well. Um, and you can do a lot with Chardonnay. You can kind of produce it how you want to. So you can have two people next to each other producing it completely different. Um, but yeah, I think also my advice for wine in general coming off of that would be always be open to great varieties. Never sit there and go, I don't like Melbeck or I because don't like It depends like this. on how it's made. You're going to find someone who makes it the way you like. It'll mm-hmm. always be someone. Well, we, we talked about the last episode. Now the Melbeck producers are trying to make it more like Pinot Noir. Yeah. So at the end of the day, who knows what's happening with the wine world? It's changing and Constantly. there are lots so of always, everyone wants something different. Yeah. No, and for it, sure. And even I've been caught out with that. I've said things like before in the past, like I don't like this style of wine or I don't like that. But then it'll always be a, oh, but there is one producer I like or a bit. So always be open to trying it. Well, I would say anyone, for anyone who doesn't really know too much about Chablis, maybe you love Chablis and you don't know why. Um, Chablis is famous, has one of the most famous uh, soil types in uh, in the world, Kimmeridgean clay, which is a clay and a limestone. uh, Really, pretty, pretty, pretty old, kind of lots of fossils and whatever, whatever it does. It gives a very uh, the minerality. That's a whole other conversation. What is minerality? I was about to ask you that. Would you? What, what is, is minerality? It, does the soil make a difference? Because some people argue it makes no difference. Yes, soil makes a difference. No, apparently it doesn't. Though. Soil apparently makes a difference. Apparently it doesn't. Uh, makes in conclusion, yes, it does. <laughs> uh, there, there we go. Very simple. We know. We know where which side of the fence you're on on that one. Though. Mi- yes, minerality for me. You can't just say mineral. You need to explain yourself. And certainly for Shabli, we're looking at you know chalkiness, flinty, steely. Well, again, the argument uh, also is that is the, the flintiness the argument for that is actually from the sulfur no it's not it's come from the soil <laughs> just, I, I, think I, I think I just made it completely clear a second ago it's the soil uh, I'm sorry about him everybody because quite clearly just, I mentioned Kimmeridgean clay and Kimmeridgean clay is a sexy little clay and uh, we should all be paying is it, attention is it, is to is the it clay your top in the pin up calendar of different soils you're saying Kimmeridgean clay would be December is that what you're saying yes it it, it could well be it could well be well you have to think um, about that you've really got no, 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 soil. You know, no 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 I don't actually I don't I find soil really boring um, but I was just starting to think about the soils in um, oh god we're terrible we can't remember anything I'm, I'm in Australia hang on South Australia oh um, um, Terra Rossa Terra Rossa so I would say I quite like I think that's quite a sexy clay I do, as well. I do have to what that. about Priorats I think I think yeah, but Priorat is like it's a commitment soil. It's a, commi- I feel, it's I feel a commitment like soil. Terra Rossa is like a cheeky weekend away. Oh. Kind of like an Australian girl. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't want to bring it home for your. You we're not big in Australia, but it's fine, I can do this. You wouldn't want to bring it home uh, um, to meet your family, but you know, you'd have a good holiday front for them. I think that's quite Okay, nice guys, so there you go. We're, we, we, maybe we will do an episode on taking soil types. And relating them back to personalities <laughs> and people. So you can really understand. That could be a bit of a tricky one. I'm not sure I've ever done what that. What would be big dick soil? What would be a big dick soil? Well, definitely like a, cl- it has to be, you know, a thick, you know, like dark thinking, brown clay like... where, you know, retains lots of water, you know, and you get, I know, you know, you get much more concentration in the grapes. So that would, be, but, you know, where, I don't know, but that, that, it has to be quite thick clay. I think a big like somewhere like soil. in Left Bank Bordeaux. I don't know why. It's really, I, that was what was in my head. Just like because Santa it's the most. Or, uh, okay. there. or actually even further south now. In, um, yeah, I don't know oh, why. no, no, you're saying left. I'm thinking more right bank. You mean no. right bank? More I'm, like on, what? Uh, Pomerol? So sort of Pomerol? No, because Pomerol as well, anyway, and the wines are just. So they don't feel. Yeah, okay, maybe. Or even one of the satellites. Would be a dick, big dick soil. I can't be big dick with satellites. So oh, okay, okay. It was trying, okay. No, yeah, you're trying, you're right. You're just thinking. A bit, you're, but like, I think you know. He's not thinking a satellite because it's not got as much elegance, so no, it's I kind think, of a bit heavier. I feel like Lalonde Pomerol would be like one of those guys who talks about his dick all the time. He says it's really big, and then it turns out it's not as big as it was. And he just bought a big car. To show yeah, yeah. He, he, he drives a Ferrari, but it's a rental, and you know. He's just and actually, he's or you know, he yeah, he's paying at least five hundred pounds a month, pretending yeah, yeah. that he owns it. 
Yeah. Okay, that's what Lalanda Pomeroy is. Okay, good. Okay, guys, I really hope you enjoyed our um, <laughs> reflection on stereotypes. Yeah. Anyway, going back to Chablis, uh, it's lovely. It, it'll never have oak. So if you really, it's not that you don't like Chardonnay. If you've ever um, said that out loud well, and thought some it. Chablis or Pret Chablis uh, white. You, you know what? That is, so, there are always exceptions to the rule, and I think that we shouldn't be talking about the exceptions because that's too confusing. So basically, ninety-five percent of general. all, you know, exactly. In general, pretty much nearly all of the time, it's all about the lees aging, aging the the batonage, the stirring of the the natural yeast that falls to the bottom of the tank that gives you the richness, and it's not the oak. So you get cleaner, fruitier flavors, and so it's just good to know that's what you get in Chardonnay. <laughs> You're laughing at me like, oh god. You, I'm getting, I'm we, getting, this is going back to episode can't. three, Riesling talk, where we try to make it really clear to people, and then you. You, my little cuntsy, tries to to get too anal. Now, this is why you're a bad teacher and I'm a good teacher because you have to just teach the you have to you have why to teach the, the norm. Is... You can't start talking about the exceptions until you get to a certain level. So just stop why, it. Why do you have? Why do the women in my life have to have an issue with me being anal? I don't know. Oh, it's, we it's and that brings a... us back to episode maybe five. <laughs> so we're not going to do that. I think uh, you should pour this wine and oh, yeah. and okay. explain. To us, why you brought it? You brought it to me. So yeah, this 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 wine, um, I, I thought it'd be ironic to bring it. It's been sitting there, staring at me in my house um, since I took it home. You may remember back to episode six. I say six. The episode uh, I was with Amanda. In, with Amanda. With episode, lovely Amanda Barnes, who I never have never met because I was, couldn't couldn't. Get and you're her. never going to meet her because she oh, said yeah. that you were awfully late. It was terribly rude, and she refuses to meet you again. No, she didn't say that at all. But I'm saying that. Um, um, so this was the wine that you were supposed to bring because um, the category I actually really liked that category was old vines, wasn't it? It was old vines, um, and one of the reflections going back onto that is going to be going forward. We're going to try and maybe push our guests to either go for more interesting categories, mm. or we might we might start setting some more of them ourselves. Because actually, we've been surprised how um, it's been very mainstream as a it's, general. It's not been very tough either. Like it's been really easy to put, get to get the wines. I would like to, as I said to you when you came in, I'd love to maybe have China as a category. Yeah. My knowledge of China is not great, so therefore I'm going to have then I'm going to have to learn something. Or again, you know, lots of lots of producers are now using um, amph- amphoras. Um, how do you amphora? Amphora. I was going to yeah. say I've said it wrong. How I'm not. I'm not. I'll put this out now. I'm pissing people off. I don't like amphora wines. Just full stop. Um, there never. Are, there are, there what are, did no, you no. say? There's always an exception. That never. You said ever. Stop, you said something ne- anal. There are some ones I do never like. Never say you few, don't like something. Few. Yeah. But I don't. I don't like. I don't like the trend in general because I feel that it ruined a lot of wine where a lot of people went obsessively mad over it and started destroying everything in it. But this would be good as a category, so we can talk about it. You can taste other people's wines and you can try and find the one you like and we can compare. So that's something that, that, that we're going to do for next season. Gang rape people. <laughs> it's always good to gang rape, isn't it? Yeah. Wait, go for With one. With yeah, wine, yeah. obviously, with wine. just to make that perfectly clear. Gang raping with wine only is acceptable. Yeah. Great. Moving on. Tell us about the wine. Uh, <laughs> put my uh, little book full of my gang rape jokes Tumble, tum- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're like, I'm like, shall I? Go, shall I? Shall I? No. Is that no. too far? Is it? Because we no. don't know. I mean, if it was late in the night when everyone was listening I'm, to I'm this. sure. Well, I mean, I'm surprised in my life I haven't been called out on anything yet. But, um, That's because we have only had 400 downloads, but next season... I know, I'm still, waiting, I'm still waiting to get some angry tweets from some people saying I can't say the things I do, but... <laughs> Sorry, I'll start shooting on Beaujolais later. That should do it. You shoot um, on Beaujolais every time we talk about Beaujolais, which apparently is called Bojo. Or Bojo, would you, would, you, would you pronounce it Bojo? Like, this is the, the cool people who really like Beaujolais. Bojo or yeah, these Bojo? These are people who wear t-shirts which talk about how much they like Beaujolais on it. But, but, but does it say Bojo? It says B-O-J-O. I don't, I don't associate I don't, I don't associate with them. So it's. So um, you don't even know if we pronounce it Bojo or Bojo? I just, I just, I just wine shame people when they order it. And take nah, it you like, like Bojo. Listen, whatever. You like Gamay. You do. I do, like yeah. Gamay. Sorenberg Gamay from Australia. Far better than any Beaujolais. Taking it away from France. Quite like that. Cheers. Cheers. So, what are we drinking? So, what we're drinking here, so this is the bottle I was going to bring for that um, for that lovely, so like the old vine wine. So, this is the Dirty and Rowdy uh, Mouverdre 2015. Do you know what? It's actually a bit dirty. It is, it is. <laughs> it's um, actually dirty. So, Dirty and Rowdy, uh, sort of cooperation, do one white, one red. Um, and they are ba- based um, around Santa, uh, Santa Rosa. I believe this is Ballard Canyon this comes from. Okay. Top of my head, if I'm right off the top of my head. Um, and... 
yeah, it's um, cool, funky label, cool, funky wine, very different. Their white is actually like a blend. I think it has some Spanish varieties in it. I don't stop the white. Um, I like it, but I don't like it as much. I think it's more of a winos wine. This is a, a bit specific. This is both a winos wine, but also I think it's a great example of Mouverge on its own, which you rarely ever see. And I also think that the wine in general, whether you're a wine snob or whether you're a general drinker, is fun, juicy, exciting. Um, so they are biodynamic, unfiltered. You know, all this is obvious because actually, uh, like I said, it smells dirty and it tastes. It's got all this kind of. It's it's got and a, it's a pale bit of colour. It's not clean. It's in the glass, definitely it? not clean, and it's actually quite funky. There's a little bit of, on the on the palate. It's lot. It's very lots of sour fruit, sour mulberry, sour damsons. It's kind of plummy. It's um. It's really interesting. A it's bit, a it's a what funky wine, but it's not funky wine. It'll put anyone off the minute they no, drink it. No, you're no, really no, no, no. It. It's that, it's still got it's still got lots of fruit. Yeah. It's not taking you to any kind of sour apples or anything that's kind of maybe a little bit oxidized or anything that's kind of completely random or taking you to something like pine trees when it's actually I think it's supposed to be about the fruit. It's what's more important is the fruit and actually and as it opens you'll find it settles more. Okay. The smell comes out more. While I like it's also AI like Mouvedre is a great variety. I think there's a lot more should be done with it. Um Mouvedre is also known for everyone as um, Monastrel, for instance, in, in, Spain. in, yeah, which in Spain. You are seeing a few things doing, people doing stuff with I really, I, I highly recommend if anyone sees Monastrel in um, Humilla, um is the region that it's most famous for in, in Spain, get some. Uh, Monastrel and Mouvetra, this grape variety is very, you know, lots of kind of nice black fruit. It's full bodied. It's very meaty, a little bit earthy. It's it's, it's actually, a, and it's a great variety that you can have 100% on its own. It yeah. doesn't need to be blended. I don't but know why most, it doesn't quite get the it's reputation It's commonly it used in blends. Um, and you find but that's because it, of France, because yeah. it's and France you find that it from, have um, done and well. You find it in uh, the south of the Rhone, so it's used quite a lot in Chateau de Pape, um, all around the and also just in the south of France in the Longue yeah. de Roussillon region. And Bandol is actually where Bandol Reds are predominantly Mouvedre. That's the one mm. where it's dominant. In. And there is yeah. there is one producer in I mean Chateau de Pape who is predominantly Mouvedre as well. It'll come back to my head in a minute. Um, funny if I'm thinking a lot better now about a glass of wine. Uh, well, apparently, actually, another study, I don't know who did the study, but this is something I was reading earlier. Um, it, glass one more. glass, no more, it's stupid, of course, but actually makes you more alert. Well, I'm more alert that someone might come to So apparently, it, I don't know, it wakes, it wakes up your brain cells. Uh, everyone just Google it, you'll figure it out. But apparently, it wakes up your brain cells, just one glass. Wonderful. And probably not, we've already had the, the Chablis and now we're on this, so I, I don't know. You're, yeah, you're going yeah. to stop going, but now you've, you've peaked, one you're going to go down. You haven't said the amount of measuring that glass, so <laughs> made a glass, therefore that's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, so yeah, so Mouvedre, so I think it's a very cool, funky um, grape. I'm putting along the lines of like Cabernet Franc, which you see a lot more things coming out with, and again, mm-hmm. it's a nice grape, so I really think it um, should be experimental, for, especially like the New World. Um, yeah. I, I'm a big, I also like buying these single grape varieties, or these strange wines from more New World countries, because I think, a, even if the wine doesn't necessarily, have, necessarily hit the mark, I like. I want to push people to keep experimenting with this because. And you, that. you mentioned New World, so again, just to just to make it clear, Mouvedre in France, which is Monastrel in Spain, is also Mataro in Australia. So these three great varieties are the I same Mataro, great yeah. variety. Yeah, exactly. So you'd say about, and in fact, you only ever see it in CM. Well, grown blends, which would be... Um... Well, I remember Penfolds. Penfolds, I don't know which year they have, like, um, in Australia, one, uh, a very famous top winery in Australia. They do, like, um, a cellar selection. Um, and, and, and they have different parcels, and every so often they... So it's not every year they release certain wines, and there isn't 100% Mataro. Okay. So, so definitely, and I remember um, drinking that a while back. So, again, what year? Probably 2010, 2011, yeah. something like around there. But it exists, so you can find it okay. on the label. Yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's, 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 I'd like to see more of that done. Again, all these sort of, you know, what I'd say, like rising grape varieties, like you're seeing more Triga Nationales being used more abroad, a few people using uh, Nebbiolo. I'm about to soon have a Nebbiolo from Australia. Well, yeah, it's same with Sangiovese. Um, all these, again, you know, they take you know, it. It's, 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 you know, we love Pinot, we love Cabernet Sauvignon, but to start seeing, I think there are so many other grape varieties out there that also make stellar wines. Mm. Um, and I think that. From my side, it's good. For, I think it's always good to support those coming through. But anyway, speaking more about this one, um, also has sexy label. There will be social media for that one. Um, <laughs> I do love it. Um, but yeah, this is. It's, um, I, I realised. I thought I would definitely call like a barbecue wine in the sense of if you're having like meaty barbecue fun party, this is the sort of wine I'd want. Okay. Yeah. Also, speaking of Beaujolais, 
I think this is <laughs> this is a, this is a good example Joe. of what Beaujolais wants to be, but isn't. In a sense of this is a fun, juicy, okay, fun, okay, juicy. Wait. Not trying to be t- top end complex in that sense. It's not trying to be uh, a, a nuanced Bordeaux that you sit here for two hours smelling and going through. This is a wine to be to be drunk, but a wine to enjoy while you do it. But Gamay is not going to ever be like this. This is Wait, a much more... Sorenberg, full... Sorenberg. Actually, Sorenberg's Gamay is even heavier than this. Oof. Really? Yeah, have you not tried it? Every exception to the rule, probably. Because no, Gamay just, is just... a very light wine that is supposed to be much more red fruits and cherries but that's, and, yeah, but you know, cinnamon. And, it, and it's known for its carbonic maceration and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, but it doesn't, and that's it... not an excuse for making wine that tastes of nothing. Um, it's just... <laughs> it's, it's, what, my, issue with, my issue with Beaujolais isn't actually Beaujolais, it's just the people who drink it. Yeah, okay. It's like veganism. I'm not against veganism. I'm just vegan. I just don't like most vegans. Mm. <laughs> it's, and it's in fact that people try and tell me that it's the most fantastic thing since sliced bread and how great it is. And I'm just like, well, it's not. Because a lot of me has a really good perfume nose. Mm-hmm. I think that I smell a lot of Beaujolais going this. Yeah. Um, and then when I get it on the palate, it's just nothing. Um, and I actually called it out in my advanced exam. I picked out the Beaujolais from a few people to actually get it. And it's like, because when I got it, I went, oh, it tastes like disappointment. This is Beaujolais. <laughs> and I just knew it was from that. And it's just. There are, there are also, and again, there are a few producers in Beaujolais who make some really good wines. Marcel Lapierre, I yeah. absolutely um, love. And... You've got Philip Pacolet, but obviously his are ridiculously expensive what they are. And they mm. are ridiculously expensive. I'll call that out. People shit me for that one if I like. Um, but you've got um, Chateau Moulin-Levant, um, do some very good wines as well. Mm, okay. Again, though, they're not cheap. And so once you start buying those wines, you're getting into proper burgundy territory. I don't, no, I don't agree with that. I really don't. I honestly do. You have to spend so much money... Red Burgundy to have something that's. No, price wise, they're about the same. So you get a good mm-hmm. Moulin Levant, a good Moulin Levant, it's the same price as Burgundy. So. Well, let's well, let listen. It's been a pack, it's the same price as a, a small mortgage on the house. Um, where, can you, where can you buy this from? Twisted Cellar? You can buy this from Twisted Cellar, correct. Can you buy this online? Yeah. Um, our website will be launching, so we're recording on Sunday the. Six? Eight? Seventh? No, we are quite clearly out of it. Seventh. Yeah, Sunday the seventh. seventh. Um, we and I'm hoping to get this out soon. This podcast, I hope we can get it turned around quick enough. Um, uh, the website hopefully will be all launched and done on the fifteenth. Okay. Which will also be in time. Which you, I don't think you've got to taste it yet. Um, will be in time hopefully for our gin launch as well. Mm. So I actually went up to. I've actually made a gin. You've made a gin. Made a gin. Oh God! Please, nobody buy this gin. I didn't. I didn't make terrible. it. So like, just, I. I did the blend of botanicals and everything else. I, okay. Don't worry, I'm not actually put my hands in the gin in any way. Um, we've just got the finalising. I can't talk about the name or anything yet because we're waiting for it should all be going through all the sweets for trademark. And so we're going to talk about this in season. Well, yeah, it depends on when we start season two. You guys, are this going is also what a lot of my time's been taken up with because uh, making a gin is easy. Marketing and copywriting and coming up with an idea and name and all of this side it's not. is a nightmare. Well, you've done it now, right? Yeah. Ish. No, it's, it's all done now. It's all kind of okay. finalised. So Fair. the label's going to go to print soon. The gin's arriving. So from the 15th, people could buy this wine from online Twisted Cellar, right? Mm-hmm. How much are you, uh, sell- uh, is this selling for? I well, you have to get pressure now. Not off the top of my head. It's not a cheap one because it's Californian. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and, like, and it's kind of funky and cool. It's and funky definitely and it's got, So yeah. it's, it, it, is, it is a pricey one. It's, uh, it's above the £30 mark, definitely. You know, what I like about this, again, it, because is this, this is definitely wild yeast, right? Oh yes, yeah. You can smell it. Thing. So, okay. I, this is so we had an interesting one with this. I'll come on, come on trip. I was on. I think this one was in Austria. Yeah. There was someone on the trip who kept coming up with, "Is this wild yeast?" And they're like, "I think I can smell this wild yeast." Do you feel you can smell this wild yeast fermentation? Well, what I would say is, I well, I don't know, but for me, when I smelt this, for me, it had to be, and the reason for that is it's got that slightly acetony note. Not, not too much, you know, like at the end of the day, Chateau Massard, you know, one of the most famous wines in the world for having this kind of um, lifted nail varnish remover smell, this acetone smell, and it's regarded as being fantastic. So it's that whole argument, is it a fault, is it great, whatever. Quite clearly, it adds something, and it's up to you whether you like it or not. Well, that's like, this, the, that's like the Brett camp, isn't it? Is Brett bad? Yeah, exactly, precisely. So for me, I'm smelling it, and I've got that slightly lifted you know acetone note but it's actually working really well with the kind of um the earthiness of the wine the the dirtiness of the wine and all the kind of plummy kind of more um outdoorsy 
autumnal feel to it, right? So I like it, but for that reason, I'm thinking wild yeast. I don't know whether, the, and, and I was right, so maybe you can. I mean, but I, I think also if you're going to any wines that are going to be a bit funky, it's going to be wild yeast anyway. Okay, may, and maybe that as well. Right. So maybe I already figured out. I, yeah. I think all I think by don't you have to use wild yeast, I don't think you can use cultured. But I don't think any of them would because it won't be the point. Of, no, but this is fantastic. So can you get a guess at this wine? I mean, I. I mean, I I would happily, uh, without a doubt, pay twenty five. I could pay more. Oh no, it's, it's over thirty. It's, it's probably closer to forty. Oh, close but, yeah. but again, actually, the joy of Californian and also funky wines. Um, so it's not it's not what I would call it's not it's not uh, well, it is a very bangable bottle of wine. It's bangable. Not, yeah. It is not a uh, a cheapy one, but um, but then it's also what I would even say to people. It's not it's not what again. It's not. Is it a value for money wine necessarily? No, but it's more of an interest in wine nerds wine. Uh, but it's also at the same time, I think it's something that you opened up. It's a good talking point. Um, it's been a good seller though. No, I think it's I, I think it's delicious, and I think it's something to really talk about. So I I, I would I will happily um, help drink that bottle with you. Yeah. Very <laughs> so I suppose really we should sum up. This is uh, the end. Uh, nobody cry. Uh, we'll be back when we. Uh, can stop making gin and running around the country and working. So if someone could sponsor us and just, I mean, we're not trying to ask for money, but I mean, if someone would just give us some money or something, that, I mean, that would just really help and we could stop working so hard. So, you know, think about that. In the meantime, if anyone has any questions whatsoever, um, please uh, send us some messages. Um, <clears throat> if you're not following us already on uh, on Instagram, where I attempt to put some things that are interesting, um, it's unfiltered P cast. So instead of podcast, we're super cool, you know, P for pod and cast. So unfiltered P cast, and you can find us on Facebook with that name, uh, on Twitter, and on Instagram. So write us a message anywhere. If you've got anything you want us to do next season, if you want to be mentioned, do you feel like being famous? Please do, please do throw questions at us. Um, it'd be good to have them to answer. Also, as our guests who come on, because most of the time they know far more than we do. Um, and yeah, next season we're going to try and change things. We will try and change things up a little bit. We're going to try and do a little different bit, probably with the questions and how we do things, and probably try and be a bit more planned. Um, we're also going to look. Well, we might, oh, that we are planning on being. We are planning on being more planned. on being planned. Which is amazing to think about. I mean, in reality, I'm not sure what's going to happen. But basically, this is the plan for season two, which I'm super excited about. We're going to be professional this time. Again, what's your comments? What do you think about us being (laughs) professional? Do you think we can be professional? No. Well, you think that. I also think no, but maybe someone else thinks yes. yes. And we'd love that if there's a few of you that think that we can be professional. Perhaps they like our spontaneity. Yeah. So yeah, just get in touch. Let's know what you think. Um, we yeah, we'll do some different bits. Uh, we're gonna, we'll still be generating some content around the Christmas December time. But we'll do we'll, we'll be recording some bits of people and get stuff ready. We'll put some posts out about that. But we won't be. I think we're gonna give a little bit of break until after December bit, so we can do again get back together doing regular content. It's just gonna be too cray cray to try and do it now. Um, we're going to be drinking too much wine whilst working, and that is a hard balance. I know, right? We we live. We live really unprivileged lives. But remember, if you've learned anything on this episode, wine does not cause cancer. So please, guys, grab yourself a glass. Um, cheers, Jonathan. Cheers. I just realised how horrible it would be if we come back to season two and one of us has I cancer. cancer yeah. <laughs> 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 and on that note, thanks everyone. Um, and we'll speak to you very, very soon.